This is Leader ReadyCast, a monthly podcast featuring real-world lessons, best practices, and action-oriented insights for the urate moments when you're called upon to lead. Leader ReadyCast is the official podcast of the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative, a joint program of the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health and the Center for Public Leadership at the Harvard John F. Kennedy School of Government. Subscribe to Leader ReadyCast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Leader ReadyCast. Today, we'll explore the challenges of leading in the space of security at large venues. While sports arenas and other such venues present myriad tactical challenges, they also present leadership challenges. And we have two alumni of the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative with us to provide their insights. Greg McCurdy is a security consultant working with the National Football League, and Colm Lyden is with the Boston Red Sox of Major League Baseball. Greg and Colm, welcome to Leader ReadyCast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The sports venues are, are truly a complex environment in which to lead. I mean, you have league and owners with a business to run. Uh, they want things to be safe, obviously, but not so obtrusively that fans don't feel welcome. Fans want to see a game and expect to be able to go all over the place, roam different parts of the, of the stadium. Players are high-profile individuals. There's always a VIP or two in the house. And of course, you've got a heavy media presence. So, heck of a job you guys have to do. So, let me ask, start by asking you this: What keeps you up at night, Greg? Let me start with you. So, I'm a consultant to National Football League, and we're referred to as security representatives. And there's normally a few of us in each NFL city. And I'm in one of the newest NFL cities in Las Vegas. So, some of the things I've been doing my last three seasons is working Super Bowl planning. And when I think of that, I think, you know, it's one of the largest sporting events in our country, has the most television viewership, uh, most sporting events. And when you think about the attention that would be brought uh, as a result of something bad occurring, that, that's what keeps me up at night. When I think about my role, and, and there are so many of us planning uh, different aspects of, of that, that game day, and our, and our leaders in the um, NFL security office in New York, you know, we work with them very closely and we're all doing the, the very best because as you said, we want the fans to come and have an enjoyable experience. It's not just about a football game. It's an experience for them. They have several events throughout that week and um, at game day. So what keeps me up at night is if someone were to commit an act that would uh, cause disruption to that experience. And of course, you being in Las Vegas, you were the the uh, the scene of the of the shooting at the concert <clears throat> not long ago, uh, and we saw the attack in Paris at the Stade de France. So it was uh, these are not uh, these venues are on people's minds and on on the target list, sadly, of some bad guys. Now, Colm, what other kind of things are you thinking about these days? But I think Greg covered most of what would keep any of us in this public safety field up at night. I am constantly looking for new and innovative ways to keep people coming into the ballpark safe. And you're always looking to do that with the idea of allowing them to enjoy a great fan experience at the same time. So that's what keeps me up, is looking at everything and seeing how can I use whatever it is I'm thinking about to make people safe. Hey, Eric. Yes, Greg. So I just want to clarify. So when the shooting occurred that night, one October 2017, 
I had already retired from the police department. Uh, I was at home. Uh, I did not go out there uh, close to the scene until the following day as a, as a result of a request to, you know, come and take uh, reference to shooting with a couple of different uh, news outlets from around the country. But here, here's what I'll tell you. That impacts us all in so many ways to Collins point. We're always looking at, at things that we can do differently. So when you look back at what we went through at the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative, the whole idea of that was to be prepared in advance. You know, start to plan, start to think about resources that you would need in the event of an attack. And then how do we get restored so we can bring normalcy back? So resilience is, it was key in that program. And, and I take those very basic principles to, uh, you know, everything that I do uh, in planning for events. And, and I'll just reflect and, and look back. Uh, I was working uh, a fight November 6th of 1993. It was at Caesars Palace Outdoor Boxing Arena. And we, we heard a buzzing noise above the ring. Uh, and it was during a Riddick Boat Evander Holyfield fight, which was some of a big heavyweight fight. And we heard this noise. We looked up and we saw this paraglider coming down with this attachment on the back. And the next thing you know, moments later, he had hit the corner of the ring. And I bring that up because back then we didn't prepare and we were stunned. I mean, I looked at the video and, and how we reacted. I was a police sergeant at the time and I was a special events coordinator. And I can tell you, we didn't plan the same way then as we do now. And, and that's a good thing. We plan a lot better now. It sounds like that was the original drone. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was, it was a lot bigger and it was a lot more dangerous and luckily no one was seriously hurt. Well, I mean, speaking of the MPLI here, we talk about mental leadership, talk about leading up, down, across, and beyond. Cole, let me start with you. How, how do you lead up to the owners and lead, lead executives to ensure that security is as good as it needs to be within the context of that and experience? Well, I think the experience from uh, the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative, it was very important to um, shape the thought process as far as, as communicating with anyone. But the ownership group I serve, they're extremely intelligent. They're remarkably in tune with everything that's going on in society. They understand all the various concerns that are out there these days. They're always pushing forward to find new initiatives to better the environment that we're in. They're always pushing to find new products and um, new kind of productions and new processes to make people safe. So it's very good for me. They're, they're listening all the time and they're helping me learn all the time. So it's, it's not only com communicating up-down, it's learning up-down, across, and within. And Greg, how do you approach that situation uh, in, in, with, in your work in Las Vegas? So, so I'm fortunate to work with the Raiders as we get ready to open the new Allegiant Stadium. And, and their uh, leadership that, that I get to communicate with and the owner, like Colin said, you'd be probably very pleased to understand that people are paying attention. They know what's going on in our society. They know what's going on with their players. Uh, they understand social media. So when it comes to talking about the different physical security needs that we have from access control to screening and screening processes to all the different things we do to make stadiums uh, safe and secure, for that enjoyable experience, these groups, these ownership groups, they, they are very in tune and very supportive. And they understand that 
you know, it, it, there's a cost associated with, but that cost is to encourage fans to want to come relax and enjoy that game or that concert or whatever that event is. Well, that's great to hear because I think you know, in your in your positions, you have to lead very much with, with influence because you haven't got authority over those owners and over the league management. Uh, but it's good to hear they're open to hearing what you guys have to say and what the larger forces that are going on that are shaping that threat environment as well as the the techniques, the technologies, and the ways we have to to respond to them. So that's uh, I will feel better next time I go to a game knowing uh, knowing all of that. You also have to lead beyond engaging with other law enforcement, uh, local, state, at times federal, I'm sure at times international, depending on who's at a game. Uh, how do you build and maintain those relationships? Uh, Colm, I want to start with you because obviously you come out of a long career at the Boston Police Department. Um, so how, how do you approach working with those other agencies? Uh, thanks, Eric. I think the years of practice, and um, I'll add meta leadership. So it's always relationships are key. Planning is essential to success of anything, and panic is the absence of planning. But even if the plans fail, the relationships that you build along the way will come in and they will help you. And the relationships normally, they should be grown before they're necessary. I also find that, that sharing, you know, if you can, if you put out ways that you can engage to help others, when you need it, people find ways to engage and help you. So I think that it's a way of paying it forward before you actually think you're going to need it or whether or not you need it. But I think that, that usually sharing as much as you can with others allows them to help you when times go bad. And, and if they do, it's good to have those relationships out there. Greg, how about you? Having worked in those Super Bowls, you must have a lot of different law enforcement agencies that come together in that kind of setting. What's been your approach and what's worked? Well, knowing that no one entity can make a large event a safe and successful event, it's just natural that you, you go to Collins Point. Relationships is, is so important. It's not just, you know, trying to establish them, but it's maintaining those relationships and collaboration because collaboration is the key essence of being, you know, successful as a team, right? So, you know, like Colin, I spent, you know, over 30 years and a few months in law enforcement here in Las Vegas Metro Police and and the um, camaraderie that you learn in policing and learn as just a person in school or whatever, you carry that through. And and the most important thing is to, to have those telephone numbers well in advance to know who has the capacity and capabilities to perform certain tasks, who, which organization has resources that would be called upon all those things that we've learned in our programs and learned in life and learned in, in our careers are, are those things that we rely upon to be successful in planning for safe and, and enjoyable events. Now we recently um, inducted a, a new project into our mental leadership project hall of fame. It was called team who, who could help. And that uh, project looked at how to incorporate bystanders or what they called uh, initial responders do an incident response. Now, clearly, in a, in a stadium, you've got a, a lot of people, you've got a lot of professional responders who are already on the scene, but you've also got a lot of fans, some of whom are going to want to help or may try to help if something happens. How do you think about how to use those non-professional volunteers and make them an asset instead of a, a barrier to a, a good response? Uh, Colm, let me start with you. Uh, 
Thanks, Eric. So I was in my 37th year with the Boston Police Department, and all through those years, once again, I'll say that panic is the absence of training. And when we did full-scale exercises in the Boston Police Department, and we even used Fenway in the past, we reached out to the people that use the park, the season ticket holders, the neighbors, the people that are nearby. So we reached out to use them as actors and as sometimes subject matter experts to come in. And what we did is train them in different ways that he could, they could help us should things go wrong. This way, they were able to explain to us some of the nuances of, of uh, the different areas that we worked in. And we were able to educate the public and an educated public, an aware public, a public that has you know, proper intelligence is a force multiplier. You know, that's where see something, say something comes from, things like that, is you encourage them, you educate them, you help them along, and when needed, they will become a force multiplier to help you get through any type of, um, you know, attack or misery or, or hazardous situations that come, come up. Greg, how do you think about that issue? I mean, it's a Football stadiums with a lot of people with a lot of ways things can go sideways. How do you think about using those bystanders, those initial volunteers to use them productively? So I want to take an extension of, of what I've seen in, in the stadiums that I've been to. Security is important, right? But you have all these other employees. And one thing that I, I've heard most stadium leaders talk about how they train all the other employees beyond security to be ready in the case of an emergency and their roles. Everybody has a role. Then you take it one step further, uh, the season ticket holders, I don't know that they've done that, but I tell you that idea that Colm just spoke about is a great idea, something I'm going to you know, talk to our stadium about in my role as security rep, uh, representing the National Football League for the Las Vegas Raiders. I think it's a great idea. I, I do know that in policing, we have oftentimes employed our local community groups to uh, volunteer in our exercises because it's no better way to educate than have people participate. And it's been effective for us. And, and I will add this comment. From everything that I know, I've been to several presentations about what occurred one October 2017 at the Route 91 Festival Ground. And it was chaotic. It was a lot of different things. Very sad, but here's the good news story. There were a lot of citizens who jumped into action who saved numerous lives that night. And I think the good nature of, 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 uh, of our citizens is to be helpful. Uh, I think we do need to consider them more as groups to expand the ability to respond to, to situations we oftentimes forget that our, our fan bases, our, our people out of community from a various, you know, number of different uh, occupations, be it off-duty firefighter, police, emergency medical, hospital staff, or, or what have you, we, we need to think more about how to, re, you know, utilize that resource. So I think you both, a couple of really important things I want to, I want to tease out for our listeners. First, you mentioned those other employees, and I know that we at the MPLI have done work over the years with, with TSA. And I know one of the things they've learned at, at the airport, in an airport setting is anyone in a uniform is, a, is seen as a uh, authority figure when something goes wrong. So it may be the barista from Starbucks, but they expect that person to know 
able to tell people where to go or what's happening. That's what the citizen looks to them for. And it's always a challenge to get someone to get those vendors and other uh, third party uh, companies to, to engage in the training and preparation. It's good to hear you are at Fenway because again, that is a force multiplier. Those people know the venue, they know the ins and outs, uh, and with a little bit of basic training, they can be helpful. Um, and then the notion of the, of the, uh, the season ticket holders, that's another really good one of you've got a group of people who are committed. They're there every week or every, you know, a lot of games. And um, again, they know the venue, they know their neighbors usually in their seats. They also can be a, a real force multiplier. So looking for those subsets of populations of who can be trained ahead of time, give some basic knowledge, can really can really make a huge difference because you will have folks who are there for the first time or are there with their kids and who are more likely to panic. And if you have people who can at least get people out moving in an orderly direction to get away from something, you're uh, you're moving in the right direction. To so call, I'm sorry, you're you about to jump in. I was. I just wanted to. Greg made some great points there. You know, the idea of cross-training across different disciplines within the park and outside the park. And he also touched on the point of the importance of, of regular citizens, you know, having been involved in the Boston Marathon response. You know, there was 260-plus people that were assisted not only by first responders but by citizens who helped out, citizens who had knowledge, citizens who just stepped up to save lives. And I saw it with my own eyes. So, you know, properly educated, trained, and, and willing and able to help citizenry is also, it rises, that, that rising tide of safety floats every boat. And I just wanted to include that in there, that how important it is to have an engaged, you know, not only with public safety, but with uh, public citizens as well. I think we are hitting a real, we're sitting, hitting an inflection point or a turning point where more and more, um, security and public safety organizations are embracing citizens as that force multiplier because you're right they will they will jump in and want to help you might as well use them and to the extent you can train them or direct them the more productive they can be I think it's a really good thing to see now you both come out of a uh, long history in law enforcement um, what are some of the lessons you bring from from that time that you've brought forward into your new roles you found most most uh, helpful and Greg let me start with you you know, there's so many, it's hard to just name, name them. But, but I'll tell you, one of the significant ones is that you, you have to you get, give a people uh, who are working with you an opportunity to demonstrate their capabilities and work with them to enhance theirs. So I would like to just use the word being a great collaborator. I, I think that was one of my strong uh, suits as a leader in policing. And I find as a consultant, who you know is representing a large organization and not being an employee of the organization, I really have to really use those collaborative skills to really get people to do what I need them to do. Even though they're getting paid to, I like when I have people who are willingly wanting to help and go beyond. And, and I'll just give an example. I can't name names, but very recently, you know, we're working on, on some planning and uh, one of the gentlemen I'm working with, he's in a public safety organization he was wanting to, you know, help me so much. He said, hey, you can call me on Thanksgiving Day. I said, no, we're going to take Thanksgiving Day off. You know, you enjoy that day with your family. But to create an environment where you have people who are so willing to work with you, I think that's important for all of, all of us to be successful. Willing participation is great. So that, that to me, I took from law enforcement, 
Because when, you know, you work in these events in law enforcement, you work with other agencies, our federal partners, we work with our state partners, you know, with, I'll use New Year's Eve in Las Vegas. We have 350,000 people on the Las Vegas Strip. We can't do it alone. We have to work with our public works officials, our sanitation uh, partners, all of these partners to have a successful, clean, you know, a safe uh, event and experience for those people who want to spend money to come to, you know, into these uh, arenas, stadiums, and open-air events. So working with others is important. Cole, I'm sure you're going to echo that, but do you have any other lessons as well to, uh, to add to that that come out of your law enforcement experience? Well, I think it's hard to improve on what Greg said, and there's no need for improvement. I do echo his thoughts 100%. I think the leadership, you know, when you come into a new environment, the big thing is don't make change just to make change. Make sure, as Greg alluded to, that you survey those people around you that have been there doing the job for a while because they're going to have ideas, they will have advice, they will have recommendations. And so you listen to these recommendations and then you use all the history and all the leadership that you've had to translate your, all the skills that you have into where these things fit. So I always say empower those that work with you as well to be able to come up. Don't be afraid to break things yourself. Ask a lot of questions. And the skills that you have as a leader somewhere else will translate wherever you end up. So let's flip the coin then. And, and Colin, let me continue with you. Is Now that you've been you know, working with the Red Sox for a while, are there things you've learned through that experience you think would, tra would translate well into other venues that other people should know about? What's it been like working in that kind of setting? I think it would. I think that anywhere, if, if you are in tune and you are paying attention, and you are constantly learning and willing to learn, the best determinant of future performance is past practice. So that same intelligence carries over. It's just waiting a little bit to take a breath, see where it all fits, and then let it play out and take, take charge and take command and become a leader and allow those around you to become leaders as well. And Greg, you've been doing this for a bit longer than home. Your time in sports, have you learned things you think would translate well into other, other leaders should be thinking about in whether they're a corporate setting or in uh, a public service agency? I, I, I certainly have. And, and the good thing about being a consultant is that I, I do other things, right? So I have other people that I work with. And, and some of the things I've seen in sports definitely can be used in, in several different I'll just I'll just name a few other types of opportunities. It can be used in nightclub settings, day club settings. It can be used in hotel settings. A lot of anywhere where there's a soft target, okay? Because what we're talking about are soft targets, and essentially in a soft target, it's an inviting, you know, target. It's a place where people we want you to come, we welcome you to come and have a nice time. And you know, when I listen to a column said that, it just it just makes so much sense on, on taking these lessons and sharing them. I mean, the word sharing, that's another way of enhancing your relationships is I have to work with people in a lot of different venue settings. You know, we're working on different events in Las Vegas for, for the NFL. And as a consultant living here, you know, the NFL draft is coming here next year. So I have to work with hotel partners, have to work with other public safety and, and public entities 
you know, on behalf of representing the, the league. So it's encouraging to have this opportunity to work with both you and Colin to kind of talk and have this conversation because this conversation itself has given me more ideas on how to approach some of these opportunities. No, and I think, too, the, the, uh, having experiences all from the outside as, as, as a spectator, and one of the, the things that's always stuck with me, I think it's an enduring lesson for those who are leading in these public venue uh, spaces. I happened to be in London at the time that uh, Prince William and, and Kate Middleton got married. I was not there as a guest of the royal family, but I happened to be in town for other reasons. And, um, you know, they had just hundreds of thousands of people in, in congregating in public spaces to watch the, uh, the, the wedding on big screens. And one thing they noticed was they had an enormous number of volunteers in brightly colored vests who were sort of just smiling and answering questions and pointing people as to where to go. And I thought, what a brilliant idea. They were not a security force. They were a friendliness force. But they gave you a lot of eyes on the ground. And they sort of reassured people to see this presence of folks who had some official capacity, even if it was simply as a, a volunteer for the day. And when you think of things like the you know, NFL events that go on for a week or some of the things we have happening here in Boston with our various championship teams, the ability to think of how you have eyes, ears, and smiles brings together both the security element and that, that need to have a, a pleasant and happy experience. So learned a lot from both of you today. Uh, I'd like to close by asking you what you see as your big challenge for the year ahead. What, what do you, what's on your radar for the first year of the new decade? Colm? Um, I think that my biggest challenge uh, is to sort of learn all the different procedural requirements that are in the private sector and inside Major League Baseball, getting the flow of process, doing whatever I can to keep people safe. And that means whatever I can to keep people safe. And staying in touch with Greg McCurdy down the road so I can pick his brain on anything I need. <laughs> likewise, likewise. <laughs> Greg, what's on your radar besides from getting the Raiders into that new stadium? You know, it's, it's generally, you know, doing as much as I can to help our partners that are involved in that safe operation of that stadium, uh, meeting regularly with uh, police leaders, meeting regularly with fire department leaders, meeting with uh, private security talking with uh, other business uh, owners in the area of where the stadium's going to open up. It's, it's a big deal for us. Uh, it, it will be our largest venue to date outside of our festival venues where we've had big, large festivals. And like Colin, I'm going to continue to learn the policies uh, of uh, game day operations of the NFL and learn more about working with football operations uh, more about working with our event company, you know, NFL events and all the different production companies involved there as we prepare for the, the draft. And, you know, the, the team at the NFL that I work uh, for, uh, all those great leaders in that security office, you know, each one of them has very unique skill sets and, and leadership styles. And when you're working with such a, a dynamic group, you learn so much and you get to appreciate how many people are doing their very best each and every day to make these large mass gatherings in public spaces, stadiums, or what have you, they're committed to, to making them safe. At the end of the day, it's all about people having an opportunity to enjoy themselves uh, and they're paying for a nice experience and it's our roles 
and responsible to ensure that they're able to do so in a safe environment. Well, I couldn't have put that any better myself. So, uh, Colm Lydon and Greg McCurdy, I want to thank you for joining us today for this episode of Leader Readycast. I know that our listeners will look at things differently the next time they attend a sporting event, concert, or any other large venue. Uh, and to everyone listening, we hope that what you've heard today better prepares you for your You're It moment. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you, Eric. Thanks. This has been another episode of Leader ReadyCast from the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative. Subscribe to Leader ReadyCast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And find out more about us at npli.sph.harvard.edu. Follow us on Twitter at HarvardNPLI. Thanks for listening and be ready to lead.